This podcast from Teacher is supported by the Australian Volunteers Program. Are you interested in supporting communities overseas? Become a remote volunteer. Visit australianvolunteers.com to learn more. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Teacher Magazine. I'm Dominique Russell. In this episode of School Improvement, we're taking you to a school in rural New South Wales where they've seen students in years five to nine read 12 books a year and a 40% increase in male students reading beyond their assigned texts. It's all because of the reading culture they've developed and head of middle school and English teacher, Alex Wharton, has had a key role in this. He's been named a Commonwealth Bank Teaching Fellow this year for his work, and he joins me in today's episode to discuss what they've implemented at Carinia Christian School to see more students pick up novels to read in their spare time. Alex shares some fantastic insights in this episode, so let's jump straight in and hear first a little bit about the school context. Um, My name's Alex and um, my role is head of middle school at Carinia Christian School in Gunnedah. So geographically for listeners around Australia or perhaps the world, we're about six hours northwest of Sydney in in driving. And um, and yeah, based in a rural town, uh, our our families and our school families predominantly come from mining and agricultural backgrounds and um, and relatively low SES with our student population being about uh, 20% um, First Nation students and about 10% um, from non-English speaking background so uh, relatively diverse and um, for our own our own culture uh, Carinia is actually an Aboriginal word um, meaning happy home and I think that really describes our, our school community uh, feel in the fact that we're a prep to year nine school and I've been there for a couple of years now and I was actually responsible for leading the school from year seven up into secondary so for many years Carinia in Gunnedah um, was a was just a k-6 to school um, but in the last couple of years we've been expanding into secondary um, we've got year nine for the first time this year and we're busily programming for and planning for year 10 next year as well so um, lots lots that I love about my role in particular I'm looking after the years five to eight program and um, and so yeah that kind of upper upper primary traditionally early secondary and really wanting students to look back um, I've kind of got this vision of students looking back on their time at, at school and thinking yeah those those years in particular were a real highlight for them socially emotionally uh, academically and um, and yeah really making school the richest experience it, it can be um, in particular. Fantastic and so obviously a big part of your work must be the the middle school teaching and learning framework that you've developed with the the year levels that you're working with quite closely and we know that you've you work quite closely with literacy and and reading as well so was it developed specifically for that or was it broader than that? Yeah, absolutely. It was so. It's kind of a, a middle school literacy teaching and learning framework in particular, with the focus on on literacy, recognizing that core aspect and that life skill. Which you know, I, we often talk about kind of all teachers being teachers of literacy in their own way and in their own uh, professional key learning area. And I think that's really true. And being a subject specialist myself, being a, an English teacher and as a head teacher before my current role, I really value that that ability for literacy to underpin good writing, good reading, a good 
contextual engagement, as well as for our for our students as learners to be able to engage and access a variety of texts. So um, bringing all that expertise and recognizing that in a rural context, um, literacy gaps in student learning and achievement was, was a significant area for growth uh, for our students. And, and particularly students who came in traditionally in year seven, there's often a bit of an academic dip uh, and gap, which research backs up um, just as that kind of transition to high school takes place. And so really wanting to map what are the key learning expectations uh, for students. And so um, with this particular teaching and learning framework that I've been working on now, it's really focused on personalised learning. Uh, so being a smaller school really affords us the opportunity to get to know our students really, really well. And some ways that we do that is uh, through really quite explicit instruction. So we use a variety of things from explicit teaching to um, to writing frameworks, something like Alarm, you, you or your listeners might be familiar with, which is a thinking and learning matrix. We also use ACARA, the Australian Curriculum, um, the, the literacy and numeracy learning progressions, which is really tracking uh, where a student should be at in terms of their particular literacy and numeracy skills and and again having smaller class sizes I'm um, really knowing our students well in our particular context um, being based in a rural community where we work so closely um, with our families and and uh, partner with our parents and, and school community provides that opportunity for um, really deep learning experiences and so we're able to map and track student progress which is really important um, when we think about mixed ability classes as well we um, often have a lower end of, of students and we use what it's called a MacLit program, which is an explicit and systematic reading intervention program for um, students that, that struggle um, as kind of low progress readers. And so really wanting to work with them to address gaps that, that they might be experiencing in their literacy learning. And then on the top end um, of, of a mixed ability class, we um, yeah, are really focusing on enrichment um, on extension. And we use a whole range of different tools to do that, to, um, that range from kind of national writing competitions and um, gun where I am is the is the home of the Dorothy McKellar Poetry Awards, a national poetry competition which we really are keen on supporting, and so really wanting to push that. And then and then kind of our work on a daily basis as an English teacher and um, with my colleagues is really also kind of using our literature circles program, which we'll talk about a little bit later, um, and kind of some standardised assessments such as the ASA PAT test, for example, and South Australian spelling test, and using our own professional judgment as teachers um, and triangulating that, I guess, with what we're in the classroom and with some standardised assessment to really be able to map and move students forward um, so that they can be really, really um, yeah, engaged students of English and, and literacy in particular as they progress through their years of schooling. Yeah, fantastic. And so was this all implemented, this framework, when you expanded at the school from primary to secondary school? And how long ago was that? That's right. So we've been on this journey just for a couple of years now. So it's still so exciting. And so much of what we do as teaching professionals is regularly reflect on our practice. So we expanded uh, into year seven in 2020. And that was really when kind of the genesis of the project came. And, and actually, it came by doing some action research and thinking, OK, well, what are the needs of our students? Where are they coming from different schools and different backgrounds? And, um, and then working with colleagues to really uh, kind of put this in place and, and really kind of refine it and move forward. And we've been able to do that um, for the last couple of years and, and we've got some great goals um, at school ahead that we're working towards together. Brilliant. And so one thing that I found particularly fantastic is that you're encouraging your students in years five to nine to read around 12 books a year or to have a goal of reading that many books a year. And you've mentioned that you've got quite a close knit school community there. So why was it important for you to be encouraging of reading this many books, particularly for students in this age bracket? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's a real need in our particular uh, school and kind of rural agricultural community. Um, thinking about our own um, demographic and kind of socioeconomic status and area, and the fact that uh, we have lots of students that are that are really hands on, that like to do lots of things. That perhaps after school they go home and help out on the farm, uh, help out their family. They're active with their livestock and animals, and that's that's a real reality for so many of our families. And and I think um, the flip side of that is well, well, what role does literacy and reading in particular play and um, thinking about the needs of our school community and and perhaps those gaps which we've kind of acknowledged earlier and it's not just kind of our rural communities but I think all schools around Australia and and indeed the world are wrestling in the age of TV that's on demand of the time and pressures around social media and the screen that that the urge and and, um, willing need to to pick up a book for enjoyment is is, um, being you know uh, often squeezed out of a picture and so um, you know if if we look at contemporary research we we're seeing less and less students, um, particularly teenagers in that secondary age age range and age bracket, picking up um, books to read in their spare time. And we we'll really think, well, what we're trying to do is literacy is just so, so key for life, isn't it? Um, it, it it's really the gateway to, to all careers and all opportunities for success. And, and with these so many um, competing pressures for time, even more so should we be valuing the written word and the role of literature to engage with, to um, have a personal response with. And, um, and that's certainly what we've seen some of the impacts um, of, of this kind of wide reading literature circles program on our students. And so it is very much a real need for our community, but that's also shared um, in a much bigger picture as well. And so on a real practical level then, in terms of actually encouraging the students to read that often, uh, is it something that's led really by the English department at your school or is it really a whole school effort? And, and how many students are actually starting to achieve that? Has it been very successful? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, it is led by the English teachers, so myself and, and my colleagues. And um, what's really exciting, though, it's it's not just the responsibility. So we're kind of like almost the facilitators of, of this. So it's really spreading to a much wider school, whole school kind of approach. And when we can get real, real momentum and traction, of course is when we're working together across faculties with other colleagues, uh, with parents and, and across yeah, different schools, so our junior school, K to four, obviously with our middle school and then looking at the senior school for years nine and 10 and, and upwards. Uh, and I also don't think it should only be the responsibility of the of the English department. So with that kind of facilitator role, while well, we are opening up the conversation to work with parents and, and involve them. Uh, so in kind of a, in the school newsletter, for example, we might include our own book suggestions of things that um, the holidays are coming up. These are some books you might like to explore with your son and daughter. Um, you know, some Christmas recommendations for your family. And, and it's also got real traction, which is so exciting to share that it's even led um, to projects like a whole staff book club where we've had teachers being able to choose books that they'd be interested in reading, uh, reading it over the summer, coming back and sharing. And they range from professional um, pedagogy textbooks uh, to novels um, to, to non-fiction texts. And, and that culture of whole school reading has really tr- made some um, transformative impacts in our particular school community. And I think what kind of underpins all of this is that wanting to move away from reading just as a perception of being an academic joyless task uh, to one that's actually very satisfying, that brings joy, that's um, of an interest and indeed, dare I say, a hobby, that when students are faced with an opportunity of a bit of, 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 bit of spare time that they actually um, have that urge to read because they want to and um, and that's come through collaboration and yeah working with our parent community and, and fellow colleagues as well. Coming up Alex shares what novels have proved to be most popular with students. 
But first, here's a quick message from our sponsor. You're listening to a podcast from Teacher Magazine, supported by the Australian Volunteers Program. Did you know the Australian Volunteers Program is looking for teachers to support communities overseas? You can become a remote volunteer and help support positive change in developing countries. There are lots of education assignments now online. Visit australianvolunteers.com to find the right volunteer assignment for you. I think something that I'm interested in too is how the texts are chosen by the students. You've mentioned there that you do give recommendations for families through the newsletter, but particularly for this age group in year five to year nine, when perhaps you might be getting new students coming in to begin at the school in year seven, if that's something that happens at Carinia, how are you able to really meet each student at where they're at in their interest level, but also in the texts that are actually suitable for them? Yeah, uh, it's a it's a real opportunity, I think, to get to know your students quite quickly and your learners by kind of having conversations about perhaps what have they read in the past, what books do they enjoy, but not kind of then um, just making judgment calls on that, but then saying, okay, well, here's some opportunities to, to challenge yourself to expand your horizon. So these um, texts are, are chosen um, on an age and stage appropriate base. And, you know, our classroom's full of mixed ability learners, like I, like I said and acknowledged before. And so um, that opportunity for students um, often in groups of three or four to, to um, choose a text themselves. So there's that sense of voice and choice in the program um, that they like the look of that particular book. They like the look of the cover. They like the sound of the blurb. I try not to influence their decisions too much and really just kind of give them opportunities. There might be um, eight different texts to choose from, for example, and they'll kind of put a voting system together. And so for them to have that, um, that voice and choice and uh, opportunity to read for a couple of weeks, to get together with some other students to read and discuss, and they've got particular roles in in the literature circles program where they might be asking questions they might be reflecting on character and plot uh, they might be making connections with their own world and um, that ability to, to see the whole range of human emotions on display that always um, kind of fuses the discussion in in the classroom and out of the classroom for students as they as they do find their way in the world and that's what adolescence is so characterized isn't it and um, that that sense of self and searching and identity and and how precious and special um, we have that now as adults and educators to be able to look back and say this book really shaped me and had an impact on me and for um, our students in, in these particular years to be able to explore different styles and types of literature. Um, how do we go about choosing them? Well we're always after new book recommendations, um, we're always kind of looking and reading ourselves as teachers and recommending and that's such an important part of it to always be leading by example. Um, we have a real passion for focusing on Australian texts in particular. And I think that's really important for, um, yeah, to kind of have that nature of representation and in particular focusing on own voices, authors and texts. So um, texts that are authentic. So thinking about First Nations and Indigenous literature um, for our student population to see themselves represented in book selection is really important because it, it gives that authenticity, gives that um, that representation of voice um, that they can connect with. And so always thinking about that and seeking to read um, ourselves to share reading recommendations and um, and it's really contagious. Uh, we've had such great success with this of increased borrowing from the library, increased student engagement and, um, and yeah, a whole range of, of um, positive flow and effects into classrooms across the school. In terms of the opportunities that students are given to work in these literacy circles, how often does that occur? 
Yeah. Um, so the way I do it, I um, mean, my classroom is is every Wednesday. Students get together for about 10 or 15 minutes um, at the start of the lesson where they get in their groups with other students who are reading their particular text. They discuss it. Like I said, they'll often have different roles. And uh, from there, it's kind of a part of their um, homework and their reading. But as well as that, they often go above and beyond because they're so engaged in the text. And about a four-week rotation period. So as they're journeying through it and um, working for their own reading goals, um, they often return them to our kind of literature circles library uh, where they then have the opportunity to, to read and to borrow again and, and students will recommend other books to each other and it's the most uh, exciting thing when they say hey I saw you read that book um, you might be really interested in this one I've heard this is really good or I might have seen the movie and and it's that opportunity to um, to say what's well, not just a thing that we do in school and so we've seen this kind of wider cultural shift and if we think about my context in the country I've got students traveling on on buses up to an hour from their farms out of town and from neighboring little villages and um, and we've seen students come to school with their books still in hand and say um, so do you mind if I finish this chapter? I'm just really, really engaged in it. Um, or in the playground even, students wanting to sit there and read their books because they've got that passion and that urge and that excitement and enthusiasm. And um, and that sends a tangible, visible message to other students, to other teachers, to parents walking by. And that's just such an exciting thing. You've certainly developed such a good reading culture there. That sounds Fantastic. I'm interested if there have been any novels or texts in particular that have proved to be very popular with the students. Absolutely. It's really interesting looking back now. So I think uh, there's certainly kind of the traditional classics, so more traditional texts that are quite well established that really respond, um, that students really respond well to and certainly connect with. And I'm thinking um, things in our um, literature circles program like uh, Lord of the Flies, The Secret Garden of Mice and Men, um, students really connect with um, and, and yeah, find that sense of characterization and, and, um, and links with their own world. And then as well as that, you've got some more contemporary texts such as I'm um, thinking uh, the Maze Runner series, the, the Divergence series, um, Hunger Games of course, um, even Ando's Happiest Refugee and, and it's these texts that are contemporary that they might know of that have had collaborations perhaps with films before that piques their curiosity and, um, and they're often these dystopian texts in particular, contemporary dystopian texts are often the first to go uh, with students kind of being drawn to um, which is yeah quite an interesting uh, reflection on, on their interests and, um, and yeah, reading uh, kind of captured um, attention. And something else that I read was that you've seen about a 40% increase in male students in particular reading beyond their assigned text. Was this something that was a surprise for you or was it something you were explicitly aiming to improve? Yeah, absolutely. It is such an exciting thing if you think about uh, the nature of research, in particular with boys in reading and boys in literacy, and um, often the media will pick up this kind of lagging behind um, females. And, and um, for myself being a male English teacher, and um, my colleague at my school who I'm teaching English with is also a male, I think the nature of a positive um, male role models who are reading, who are talking about the impact of literature on their lives, that emotional response and, and, and connection is quite powerful. But even more so, I think in our in our farming and and mining agricultural rural community I think that that increase in reading that we've seen with more male students and reading going to the library with talking about the nature and the impact of their texts is certainly just been this most wonderful and exciting flow-on effect because it's opened up more conversations um, about identity about self and um, and it's having yeah really really um, exciting flow-on uh, positive flow-on effects that um, that yeah students are seeing themselves in different ways and opening up 
new hobbies and new doors that perhaps were traditionally um, yeah not as accessible to them so that is just such a wonderful bonus um, and we want to keep keep seeing that that excited growth and interest Absolutely. I thought something just finally to ask you. I mean, I know that we've clearly seen throughout this conversation that the students have responded so positively to this program, but do you have any pieces of student feedback that you'd like to share or that you've received recently? Absolutely. So I think anything that we do, we're always looking to do better. And of course, student voices is absolutely key to that. And so you have student voice in the program in terms of students actually choosing texts. And I think that's one form of feedback to see what's being selected there um, and what's not um, as in terms of, you know, student choice. And when they when they you know, select their text, they, we get them to vote as well in a preferential system. So not everyone can always get their first preference, but if they didn't get it the first time, they can certainly get it the second time. But more so than that, we're seeing really... Um, exciting engagement with organisations like the Children's Book Council of Australia and that's got an older readers category for example which is really focusing on young adult literature and uh, what we're seeing with that is is students kind of searching those websites on their own initiative saying what's being shortlisted, what's being recommended as a notable text, um, how can I inter- how can I um, kind of expand my own reading off their own bat um, and that form of feedback and conversations is so exciting and has also led for some opportunities for um, us to develop student book reviewers and students who are reading to to share that, to write book reviews, to present book reviews in different formats. And I think um, that piece of feedback of students going above and beyond on their own initiative and, and students are so capable, aren't they? They, um, they continue to amaze us as educators every day. And it's one of the best parts of our job that we get to work with such uh, exciting and dynamic young people. And I think that form of feedback of them off their own bat going to research and pursue contemporary text recommendations for their own interests for that of their peers benefit um, it really sends quite a powerful meaning and and at the end of the day as an educational leader um, how fantastic and blessed are we to have the best job in the world that's shaping young minds and and helping these young people on such a, a powerful and exciting journey ahead of them I just encourage your listeners to, to keep reading. I think I think it's just so important. You know, the nature of, of teaching and reflective practice is so uh, linked with that and, and really good leaders and, and teachers are readers. And so whether that's professional reading, whether it's through uh, short clippets, perhaps through the ACE newsletter is something that I always look out for in my inbox, including these podcast transcripts and podcast recordings. And I think that's just a starting point to a much wider conversation about the role of literature in our schools, uh, whether that be staff book clubs, uh, whether that be student book clubs and, and student literature and literacy programs uh, to be really um, for the betterment of society as we keep uh, working together in education. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode from our School Improvement series, we have dozens of episodes freely available in our archives, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and SoundCloud. You can also find the full transcripts for all of our podcast episodes at our website, teachermagazine.com. To stay up to date with our new episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You've been listening to a podcast from Teacher, supported by the Australian Volunteers Programme. Are you interested in supporting communities overseas? Become a remote volunteer. Visit australianvolunteers.com to learn more.